So we're going to go through part of this tonight, but just before we read Romans 12 together, let's just look at the cover of our outline. And uh, as uh, uh, Tim made references in praying, is that as we just begin to build this relationship with God, we're going to see the Holy Spirit begin to move in all of our lives and in our church in a greater way than ever before. And that's the will of God. We're really supposed to be a people of the Spirit. We're not just supposed to be doing this naturally. We're really supposed to be people of the Spirit. Amen? So that's exciting. But, but in every area, daily, through our lives, allowing God, just taking our time to be led by the Spirit. and Say, God, I want you to lead me in my life. Even when we come to making our decision. And I think uh, I, I was catching a little bit of the, of the updates on the election. I think we're going to find out that in this election, one thing that, that might become evident is that the church became more involved in the election this year. For, for whatever reason, I don't know why over these last couple election cycles, the, the church has been non-existent with its voice. And I think we're going to find out that we finally just woke up at a greater percentage, not the percentage that it should be. I mean, if, if the church voted as the church, uh, the, that's 74% of, of, of the people that say they're Christian would get out and vote by biblical values, we'd have better leadership. How many would agree? So I think we'll see something that's going to be surprising. So good stuff. Amen. But the Holy Spirit leading us and directing us every day in every area in our decision. We're going to find out tonight as we read through Romans chapter 12 uh, uh, that there are some areas that, that if we're going to do this thing called Christianity, we need help. I mean, you just can't do this stuff naturally. The things and the way we're supposed to live and conduct ourselves with one another, uh, we're going to need some help. Just before I do that, I want to encourage you, if you don't read these little daily devotions, I'd really encourage you to get it and, and, and to follow along and read it. it. It just has so much good stuff. This week, and uh, actually started on Saturday, but it was uh, four, four, four lessons that went through today on dealing with the devil. And Saturday it started out and says this, Nothing thrills the devil more than the current skepticism with which he is viewed. The more we doubt or downplay his existence, the more he is free to hurt and hamper us. And it's not so much that we want to glorify the devil. We need to remember the Bible tells that we have an adversary. That, that we're in a battle, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And so there's so many that we put on the whole armor of God that we can stand against all the wiles and the tricks of the devil. So there, there, there's this uh, uh, encouragement to, or this exhortation to us that we're in a battle and we have an adversary and, and we have to understand that he's constantly waging and warring against it. Jesus says when the devil goes out, when you clean the house and, and he's cast out, he tries to come back in. And so we have to be vigilant, be, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So there's some diligence and, and some effort that applies to our walk with God. Amen? And, uh, and so as I was reading it, I, I wrote this little note down in the bottom of mine, uh, in, in my outline. I'll, I'll highlight it and I'll write in it. But I just put down there that the devil wins every battle we fight in the flesh. Every battle you try to fight in the flesh, he's going to win. Because flesh does not overcome spirit. He is a spiritual being. And he comes in a spiritual attack. Amen? And, and you can't fight a spiritual battle in the flesh. But on the other side of that, every battle we fight in the spirit, we win. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The devil is in the world, but the Holy Spirit lives in us. And he empowers us to be an overcomer. Amen? 
And so we live by that. So I encourage you to get there. If you haven't read it yet, there's still some you can get out there and read these last four days on dealing with the devil. A great encouragement. And then looking at how Jesus dealt with him and everything he did in, in his victory in the temptation was through the word, knowing the word. And that's probably the most important thing we can do. The Holy Spirit comes to reveal the truth of the word of God to us, to open it up and to show it to us. Amen. So it's so important that we live in that right relationship with him. So look at the cover of your outline. It's imperative that we become qualified spiritually, that we know about spiritual gifts, understand them, and be able to use them wisely as the Lord wills. So tonight as we continue our study and move on into the epistles and, and letters, we find in them the continual admonition to live in, by, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. As you read your Bible, you read Paul's letters, and you read all the other epistles, you'll find we're constantly being encouraged to live in the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, and to live through the Spirit in our lives. Uh, but, and we are called to be people of the Spirit, not of the flesh. We read it Sunday morning, and, and, and that... that, that uh, Romans chapter 8, that we are, many as are led by the Spirit. There's no condemnation to those who are in the Spirit. And, and that what is of the flesh is enmity. And we can't walk in the flesh and walk in the Spirit. And that great controversy there, but that we are people of the Spirit. Amen? So in Romans 12, Paul declares the gifts of grace in our lives working through the measure of faith that we have received. Romans chapter 12, and let's look at it tonight. Beginning in verse 1. And just think about this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. How many know just to do that, you need the help of the Holy Spirit? Okay, I'm going to present my life to God. I can't do that in my own strength. Now look at this in verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. The word prove there also means to discern, to comprehend, and to understand what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now many times over the years I've heard people say, well, you know, I'm in the permissive will of God. <laughs> It's, it's kind of like that. That's like, okay, this is, it, it, it never makes sense when they say it. God's will is good. It is always perfect and it is always acceptable. He doesn't have three wills. He has one will. Are you with me? He just has one will. His will is always good. It is always perfect and is always acceptable. His permissive will is free choice. And so when people say, I'm just in the Lord's permissive will, it means I'm choosing not to be obedient. And he's permitting it. Yes, he is, but you probably won't like the harvest. Amen? <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. Okay, verse 3. For I say through the great... Look at look what Paul says. And this is... If you, if you have your, your, your paper Bible with you and that, and you can underline... I want you to underline this. Look at what he says. For I say, and then underline through the grace given to me. Look at what he says. Paul says, I'm ministering... Through the grace that has been given to me. And we did that series on grace uh, a little bit earlier this year. And getting us to understand that grace is more than just our salvation. But it, it is just the provision of God given to us. Grace is God's provision released to us 
on our behalf. It's the provision of God coming to us for every need and for every aspect of life. Everything we do, we do by the equipping power of grace. So Paul says that, that I've been graced to do what I'm doing. So with the grace that's been given to me through the equipping of God's grace that has been given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think how? Soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same what? Function, but they all have function. How many would agree? Every member, all of us here together, every person in the body of Christ has function, has purpose, has a reason for being. We, we have a set place, amen? We have something that we accomplish and we make the body whole. And so we do not have the same function. Verse 5, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We need one another. And as Wayne and Sally referenced in, in, in their home group meeting, that, that don't forsake that assembly. Continue to come together. We're not called to be individual believers and hang out. We are members one of another. And something so dynamic happens when we come together and then the Holy Spirit moves through us, he, he becomes that flow of life in us, and he gives life to this thing we call the body of Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. So look at verse 6, though. I want this. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Now underline that. According to the grace that is given to us. So Paul says, look at Paul says, I'm ministering according to the grace that's been given to me. But God's given to every person a measure of faith and a grace for you to operate in. There's a gifting and a grace. So these are the gifts of grace upon our life. These are the grace giftings of God that give us function in the body of Christ. It's literally what he's talking about. So we're one body, we're all members together, and we all have a functioning part in the body. And it's according to this gift of grace that's working in our life. Let us use them. And he goes on, and there's seven of them here that he lists. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. And he who leads with diligence. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now we're going to pause because the, from chapter from verse 9 through 21, he talks about conduct, how we live and how we interact with one another and how we interact with people in life. And you're going to find out to, to, to perform that kind of conduct, you need the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're not going to be able to do that without the help of the Holy Spirit. And, and so he, he kind of combines that all together. So he gives us that, that we're in here. We're not, we're not allowing our thinking and, 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 and the way we conduct ourselves to be governed by this world. But we understand we're, we're called. We're made a member of the body of Christ. And then we're gifted with this great grace that makes us somebody that we have functioned together. We have a play. So look at your outline with me. So Paul declares the gifts of grace in our lives, working through the measure of faith that we have received. And then as we said in verses 9 through 21, he declares how we should live, a life impossible to live without the Holy Spirit empowering us to do so. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. Keep your finger there. We're going to come back. But go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to a spirit-filled church that has become carnal in almost everything they do. Amen. 
And then he sets him in order and calls them back to purity in the flow and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Or in other words, back to being spiritual people. The church at Corinth had gotten caught up in all this stuff. He says, you're carnal. There's warring. There's fighting amongst you. One thinks, well, I'm, I'm of Paulus. I'm of a Paul. I'm of Peter. I'm of this. I'm of that. And so they're divided over all kinds of things. They have immorality going on. They got a guy sleeping with the stepmom and the church knows it. Nobody does. How many know that's just weird right there? And, and so... And Paul goes, man, you guys are doing stuff that the world hasn't even thought about doing. It's crazy. And so he brings them, he, he, he deals with them, tells them to deal with, tells them to judge one another. He, he said, you know, you guys, he said, I told you not to hang out with people who are acting this way. If they call themselves a Christian and, and yet they're acting like that. But he said, not the people of the world. So he said, you're supposed to be engaged with people. We're supposed to be light in darkness. Amen. But he says, you're not supposed to be acting like the darkness and thinking you're in the light. So he's doing all this, setting them in order. And then he brings them into, he says, there's several times he says, now concerning, now concerning, now concerning. And then he gets the Roman to us and says, now concerning spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant. And so he brings them back to being people of the Spirit. He also gives us the only instruction in the New Testament for a church gathering. The only place in the New Testament that tells us how to act when we come together is in 1 Corinthians. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 tell us about the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit, the body of Christ. It tells us about the motivation to having the right heart of love. And then it tells us how to operate with one another in chapter 14 when we come together and how everybody can have a functioning part in that. And so he instructs them on the Spirit, uh, on how the Spirit is to be manifest in their midst decently and in order. Everybody say decently and in order. That's so important. But then we go to Ephesians chapter 2. And in fact, I, I just stay with my outline here. Keep your finger there in 1 Corinthians and go a little bit further. We can come back there too. Go over to Ephesians chapter 2 because I want you to read this. So it said, what happens when we do life without the Holy Spirit? What happens when we do church without the Holy Spirit? But I want you to read just these verses with me in Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers... And foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Watch this. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now what? In whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So, how many know Paul's not talking about a physical building? But he's talking about the body of Christ, the church... The church is people assembled together. And look at how he defines it. In whom the whole building, the church, the body, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in Lord, in whom you're also being built together for a habitation of God in the Spirit. Now look, at when we tap into this, with our faith, and we said, we're going to be a people of the Spirit. We're going to live by that. Then when we come together like Sunday morning and what's been happening on Tuesday night, then we have created this place, and God shows up and manifests himself by the Holy Spirit and begins to minister to people, and people get healed. They get saved. They get delivered. They get filled. Isn't that awesome? And so we get together, and now God is in our midst. Now, listen to what Jesus said. Let's take it. In, in, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered, how? 
together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. So what I'm believing, what God is doing in us and, and in His church, even globally, there's a move of God going on right now. And churches are going, wait a minute, we need to get back to who we are. We are the church of the Lord Jesus. We are the body of Christ. We are a spiritual habitation. And we need to go back to creating this place and giving place and making room for the Holy Spirit to move. Amen? I mean, it's exciting. I, I'm getting God bumps up here just talking about it. Praise the Lord. It's so exciting, praise the Lord, to watch what God will do. So he declares how we create a habitation of God. And then he reaffirms in Ephesians 4, you're there. Let's just look at this. We're going to go back to 1 Corinthians and Romans 12 in just a moment. But look at 1 Corinthians, uh, I mean Ephesians chapter 4 there, and look at verses 1 through 7. Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, now watch it, to have a walk worthy of the calling. With which you were called. Everybody look up here. You're called. Well, I just don't think I'm called. No, you're called. God called you out of darkness into light. And then he has purpose and he has function for you. But walk with that with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. How many know that takes the Holy Ghost right there? Okay, I need help right there. Endeavor, now watch, look, look how he says to do it. Endeavoring to keep the unity of what? The Spirit in the bond of peace. Amen. There is one body, there is one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen? Y'all. But verse 7, look at this. But to each one of us, Paul says it to the Ephesians too. To each one of us, what? Grace was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So to each one of us, Paul gives a, God, Paul says there's a grace given to us. And that's what he said in Romans, that according to the grace, don't think highly, but according to the grace that's been given to us. And so in that, God graces us to have this place of function and purpose in the body of Christ. Now, go with me back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Are you doing all right? Praise the Lord. I'm enjoying this. I, I've never taught this. I've taught in different aspects, of, but I've never taken and taught just a complete series of lessons like this and stayed on it in this fashion uh, through all the years of our ministry. I'm really excited about what God's doing in a fresh way. Praise the Lord. So uh, watch this. So we want to break down tonight the gifts of grace just a little bit as an introduction, and then the gifts of the Spirit, and then the ministry gifts of Christ, and then we want to stir them up decently and in order. That's our goal. So tonight we're just breaking down these gifts of grace a little bit. And so as we read that in Romans 12, and so to speak of these seven spiritual gifts, these seven spiritual gifts in Romans 12 as spiritual gifts, I believe is relevant and proper as Paul points out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. So we're in Romans and you wonder why I'm bringing to 1 Corinthians 12. I want you to look at verse 27 and 28. It says, now you are members, now you are the body of Christ and members what? Individually, in particular. Or you're, you're all individual members of the body of Christ. Now watch this. And God... Has appointed 
One translation says, and God has set. The King James says, and God has set these in the church. So, so God takes these things and he puts them in the church. Now, these things being put in the church are things that are in people. The church is made up of people. So these gifts, these ministries, these enablements are in the people that make up the body of Christ. So look what he says. First, apostles. Second, prophets. And third, teachers. Okay. And so there are these ministry gifts. There, there's these set offices in the church of a prophet, apostle, prophet, and teacher. Amen? And so God set those in the church. So as long as there's a church, there should be apostles. There should be prophets. There should be teachers if we're the church. Okay? Stay with me. In fact, I, I was reading an older book today on this, on what meaneth this. And uh, he, he was breaking it down during the discord. Because if you look for evidence, there is no biblical evidence that says any place in here that any of this was to end at any certain time. So we're the church. And so it's a, it, it, it is applicable to us today. Now watch that. And teachers, after that, what? Miracles. So miracles should be in the church. Amen? Miracles. And then after miracles are gifts of healing. Miracles are, are, are supernatural. Things. We need to believe God for miracles. I'm trying to stir your faith. Let's believe God for miracles. You know, miracles are, miracles are, are beyond just gifts of healing. Gifts of healing are, are good. But I want miracles. I want blind eyes open. I want deaf ears open. I want lame people walking. Amen? I want wheelchair. We should put some stuff up on the wall. We need to believe God. Amen. Because why? Because he said it's supposed to be in the church. In, in fact, all right, I'll do it anyway. Keep your finger there. We'll go someplace else for a minute. <laughs> go with me to Luke chapter 10. Keep your finger there. We're going to come right back. Only because we're talking about miracles. Luke. Actually, go with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 and verse 1. It says, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. But he gave them authority, power and authority over all. Amen? And so that authority belongs to the church. And so religion, that's why I say when we try to do church without the Holy Spirit, then we reduce it down to doing church in our own strength. So when we're doing it by our own strength, you can't produce miracles, you can't produce healing, you can't do any of this in your own strength. So we have to come up with a theology that explains us not being able to do anything. And the best way to do that is say that's not for today. Are we doing all right? But this, now we have to get outside of our limitations. We have to believe that God, by His Holy Spirit, by His power, will work through it. God will manifest Himself, express Himself, and make Himself known by His Spirit, His power, through our lives. Woohoo! Now, uh, so after that, miracles, then gifts of healing. Now, watch it. Right, in the, right after miracles and gifts of healing, He puts these two things in here. Helps. And administrations. Years ago, man, a long time ago, right, shortly right after we got in our building, we had a gentleman come from Tulsa, Oklahoma named Buddy Bell. And Buddy Bell taught on the gifts of helps, the ministry of helps. And part of that is there, and, and, and he had this great statement. The Word of God says, fear not leadership, organization, and structure. 
but right in the middle, right in between gifts of healing and then tongues, interpretation, and all these amazing miracle gifts, he put in helps and administrations. And helps in administration takes us back to Romans chapter 12. Because Romans chapter 12 tells every one of us where we are equipped to help and help to administrate the affairs of the church. Through the gifts, the grace gifts in Romans chapter 12 is where helps and administrations come into play. The Holy Spirit gifts us. And whether it's through serving or through teaching or, or through having mercy or giving, now we're part of helping the body function and administrating this thing called the church. Are you with me? All right, so that's what we have here in your outline, that God has appointed or set certain ministries in the church, and two of those ministries are helps and administration, and they are sandwiched in between healing and tongues. Right in the middle of all this great spiritual stuff, power stuff, miraculous stuff going on, Woohoo! Now we're throwing in help and administration, organization stuff, wow. Because see what happened. When it comes down to just doing help, when it comes down to just doing the organizational stuff, we just come down to doing all that stuff, we think that's not spiritual, but God put it in the church and He equipped us to do it, and it's a work of the Spirit. Right. Amen? Yeah. So why? And He said, the, 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 the uh, contemporary English Bible says it like this In the church, God has appointed first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, and the ability to help others, and leadership skills. How many know that's good? And then different kinds of tongues. So the seven grace gifts in Romans 12 define for each of us where we fit in the set or appointed ministry of helps and administrations in the church. This is the question most people ask. Where do I fit in the body of Christ? What's my place? What's my purpose here? Where do I fit? What should I be doing in the church? What is my place? See, we all have a place where we fit in helping others in the administration and organization of the church. And when we're doing that, some people are just given. We have a great gift. We, we have an amazing people in our church that have an amazing gift of hospitality. And when we do events, we do things. Man, they set up, they do everything. It's amazing, those gifts. And then others in ministering. Ministering is, is in serving. And we have an amazing gift filled with great servers. Amen? And then in part of that, not, not only do we just have one of those gifts, but most of us have a compound gifting. And so when you'll take a gift quest like that and you do a ministry gift quest out of Romans chapter 12, you find out that you, that, that you have a, a dominant strength in an area, but, but then you have a complementary strength that goes with that. Amen? And uh, so it works together. For me, every time I take that, I, I, I get compiled with, profit, with the prophet and teaching in that area. And, and no matter how I try to get away from it, that's where I function. But then I like to serve. I like being involved in hospitality. But those aren't my strength. Those are extra things I do. So then we tease Janet. Janet and I tease each other back and forth on doing different things. Because one of the last things in there is mercy. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And I took the test. I, I got like 4% mercy. And she took the test and she got like 74%. And I said, you cheated. I know you. You cheated. But see, in that, but, but see, the, the, look at this is grace. But it's a gift of grace. And, and, and look at a lot of times we look at people in the natural. And, and this is what you have to understand. God works in your life by grace. And many times people in the natural may seem like when, you know, on, a, on their natural gifting, they don't have a lot of mercy. But there's other times, if you know me, God will grace me in my weakness. 
And so there'll be times that, that I'm having to deal with people and I'm doing it by this great mercy. But in the natural, I just want to like knock your head off. Because that's, that's my personality. I just want, but, but grace shows up. Thank God for you. Amen. On your behalf, grace shows up. Hallelujah. Amen. Go back to Romans chapter 12. Isn't God good? Amen. Come on, grace is good stuff. Praise the Lord. So we all have a place where we fit in helping others in administration and organization of the church. We are gifted by grace to do it. Listen to it. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace that is given to each of us, to use them accordingly. See, when it comes to prophecy, some of us will go, man, we have an urge to speak, to proclaim, to, to bring fresh truth and, and, and help bring understanding to people, to, to minister prophetically. Now, now, let me just say, this, is not, this doesn't mean that people who are gifted in, in, in this grace of prophecy, it doesn't mean they're a prophet. Do you understand that? But this is an enabling and a ministering to the body. And then secondary is ministry. In ministry, it says, and in ministry is just serving. You'll look at the translation of it, and it'll talk about that. We'll give broken down here. I actually went down and got the Young's Literal Translation and how it breaks it down. And then in teaching. So if I'm involved in ministering, I should just be serving. What did Jesus do when he washed the disciples' feet? He gave them an example on how to do ministry by serving the need in their life. Amen. And so how many know there's lots of room to serve? Amen. There's always lots of room to serve. Praise the Lord. How many know that, in fact, when Buddy Bell was talking about it, when we talked about the ministry of help, if, if you take the church and you make it a pyramid or, or, or you make it like that and, and you get to the top, that the higher you go up in, in, in climbing to the top of that, there's less and less room of opportunity. But back down here at the bottom, there's all kinds of space. Amen. And that's why Jesus said, he, he, if, if you want to be great, be the least. Because the, 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 the ministry opportunities are unlimited at that level. Praise the Lord. And so for me as teaching, people walk around and say, Pastor, you shouldn't do it. Well, I like doing that because there's always something to do in ministry when you're a servant. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, and so then in teaching, then teaching opportunity. <clears throat> and it's amazing as we're looking for different things to open up as we begin doing what's available before, how other areas open up for us to teach. How I many know we need teachers of every level? There, there are people who are, who are truly gifted to teach children or to minister to kids and communicate to them and sow that seed into the life. God put that in you for that purpose. And then in exhorting, we need people just to exhort. Amen. See, one thing people don't understand me about a lot, uh, uh, this is my job. And so when I'm at church, I'm working. And if I came, I, I try to explain this to you. If I came to your job, and you were in the middle of your job, and I just wanted to interrupt you and just have a nice casual conversation, and, and I wanted you just to encourage me and tell me how wonderful I am. You go, what, what are you, I'm working, what are you doing? I'm busy here. And so when I'm at church, I'm working, and, and I'm in work mode. Look at church, we're going to pray for people, we're going to do this, stuff. we've got this, we've got that, I can remember this, I can remember that. Uh, how you doing? God bless you. You look so wonderful today, glory to God. And, and I might just blow you off. Amen. But I'm working. Look at pastor, he doesn't care about him. Just blow you. No, I'm working. And my personality, when I'm working, I'm working. So if I talk to you and you're here, we're working together. So I'm coming up, hey, we need to do this. Hey, we need to do that. Ooh, you didn't even say hello. No, we're working. 
I'll say hello after church when the work is done. Are you doing all right? But see, that's my personality. And so if you get to know that about people, and you're differently. There's other people that just smile. How you doing? You look so wonderful. You're an exhorter. I am not. I need grace to exhort. How many know what I'm talking about? I, I need to cheat like Janet did. Amen. I, I need that grace. I, mean, I, I need grace to be an exhorter. I really do. I have to, I have to stop myself. Say something nice to somebody. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because that, I am a prophet teacher. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come with the cutting edge, and I'm going to come with clarity and truth. Because that's what God graced me to be. And that's why as a body, I need some of you exhorters stepping up to the plate here. Because it's not in me to do it. I need you following behind me. Oh, that's just not Pastor. You need to understand him. He really loves you. Thank you, glory to God. Help. That's called the ministry of help me out somebody. Amen? I mean, know what I'm talking about. So we have exhorting, encouraging, and then giving. Let, let me just say this to you. Some people, there, there's some people who are graced for financial increase and prosperity to be great givers in the kingdom of God. You're graced for giving. And you can't give without a flow of increase in your life. Whatever God graces you to do, He equips you to do. Furnishes you to do. And sometimes if people would just agree with the grace of giving and do it liberally... They would see an amazing increase over their business, over their financial affairs, everything, because that's your gift. Doing all right? That's your purpose, your flow. I mean, we, we all worship God with our resources, but in that, there's some people who have a spiritual grace, a grace upon their life to be given by that, and then leading with diligence to be leading. How many know that we, we need some people who know how to organize people? And you'll get, I, I, I like what John Maxwell says, if you get into a room and things are going on and, and, and people are trying to decide what to do and it goes quiet, it says usually the next person to speak is the leader. Because the person that arrives up, they're going to organize something, they've thought about it, they have the ability to lead and structure. and put. It's a grace on your life to do that. Other people can stand there and look at it for 14 hours and never figure out what the first step is. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But all of a sudden you look at it and you're just like... Pfft. Amen. And there's something in us. It, pe people always tease us about preachers because we always come along and we always know how to do everything. Some of you get that later anyway. We always have an opinion. Well, look, I think you ought to do this. I think you ought to do that. Take it and run. But hey, maybe I'm working outside my gift. But there, there's people who are gifted to lead. Are you with me? And, and areas in that and being involved and being a part of that. And we go, well, I don't want to leave, take responsibility. But it's your grace and it makes you fit in the body of Christ. And when I try to fit someplace that I don't want to, it never really works. And I get frustrated. Everybody around me gets frustrated because I'm not being led by the Spirit. Doing all right? All right. And then showing mercy. And I'm going to have Janet teach a class on this. I don't know why I'm picking on her now. I just felt like it. Amen. Hallelujah. Her, because Pastor Sue and her were picking on me today. So I was doubled up. So this is my only chance to get back. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now watch this. But to show mercy, how? With cheerfulness. 
To show it with cheerfulness. Why? Because sometimes when you just have to give mercy, sometimes people, they need mercy, but they need more than mercy. But the only way they're going to receive the more is if you show them mercy first. Amen? And so you have to be able to do that with cheerfulness and cheerfully give mercy. Now what? The Young's Literal Translation says it like this. Having gifts different according to the grace that was given to us. Whether prophesy, whether prophecy, do so according to the portion of faith that you have. Or ministration in the ministration. Or teaching in the teaching. Or exhorting in the exhortation. Or sharing in simplicity. Or leading in diligence. And he who is doing kindness in cheerfulness. And we don't have time right now to go into these others. And we'll pick this up next week on how we should love. But I encourage you, and I put it in here from the Contemporary English Bible. But one of the things right here as he starts out, he said, look, look, in fact, just read along down there in these next verses here. He says, love should be shown in verse 9. He starts out and said, love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil. Hold on to what is good. Love each other like members of your family. I mean, no, that's what we are as a church. We're members of our family. Amen. That's where we're the family of God. We're the body of Christ. Be the best at showing honor to what? Each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. And look at this. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Amen. I need the worship team to come back if they will, please. Hallelujah. Look what he says. Be happy in your hope. And stand your ground when you're in trouble. And devote yourself to prayer. How many know it's hard to pray? Cole was sharing with me uh, just before service. He talked about it. But he said uh, last night the Holy Spirit woke him up at 1.30, I believe, he said. And, and had him start praying for the election. And so, so I went downstairs and I started praying. And, and as I was praying, he goes, God, you know, why do you need me? He says, I felt like the Spirit of God told me there's a million people praying right now for this election. God said, I have a million people. And Cole's like, well, then what do you need me for? <laughs> Amen. And he, and he goes, be, 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 because every one of us makes a difference. And, and that's what the devil, the, the devil will always tell you, oh, don't worry, somebody else will fill in. No. You are significant to God. And, and that's what Paul is getting us to see and trying to get the church at Rome. Everyone is significant. And the Holy Spirit graces you and sets you in the church with specific significance. You bring such value to the body of Christ. And we are not whole. No church is whole. Unless the members are all being fit in their set place and functioning according to the grace of God upon their lives. Amen? So important. So important. And then he said, uh, Sean told him that he, God woke him up at 5 o'clock this morning. He got up pray. That had to be God. If you know my son, that had to be God. For him to get up at 5 a.m. You've heard him say it here. He's not a morning guy. But he got up. And so the Holy Spirit moving upon him. I'm telling you, God, if God can get my son up at 5 a.m., the God's moving. I bet there's a, I'm just teasing. I'll be in trouble now. But in all that. But in your life, some of you, even right here, are coming out on Tuesday night. God's stirring something. In. You're sensing something. And you're pressing into something. And if we'll just keep saying and taking Jesus' word. Jesus said, it is expedient for you. 
that I go away so that the Holy Spirit will come. And I want to encourage you every day, keep building your relationship with the Holy Spirit. As I shared last Sunday, Jesus is seated with the Father in heaven, and, and, and there, but the Holy Spirit is with us right now. So you need to be building this living relationship with the Holy Spirit. Pray in tongues every day. Pray in the Spirit. Stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. And let the Holy Spirit draw you into this amazing relationship that He has for you. He's here for you. He is your helper. But you choose to walk in relationship with Him. Amen? Hallelujah. uh, One of our uh, officials, I was talking to him, and and I, I kept saying, hey, because I know he likes to play golf. I said, man, we need to get together and play golf. And so I've asked him a couple times. And so then he goes, okay, we'll play. So Friday we're going to play golf together. And he had mentioned it two weeks ago. So I did, but, but I had to follow him and say, hey, are we still on? You know, I understand. But if we are, let me know. Tell me where to be. But sometimes relationship, you have to go after relationship. Okay, I feel the Lord tell me I'm supposed to connect with him at a little different level. But in order to have relationship, you have to go after it. They don't come to you, you go to them. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said He's here. Now you have to pursue Him. Amen? You go after Him. He'll always meet you. But pursue. That's why Paul wrote, desire gifts, pursue gifts. Let that desire rise up on the inside of you. Begin to pursue. Begin to hunger and go after the things of God. Would you just stand with me tonight?